previous week and then kind of recommit himself for the following week. And so we've been using these resolutions since uh, the beginning of January just as kind of a window into looking at our spiritual growth and our own Christian walk. And tonight um, I'm clustering, I think there's ten resolutions together um, because they all deal with this issue of time, how we use our time. I, the, the, I guess the vogue way to express it is time management, right? How do you manage your time? But I would think of it even, you know, I'm disconnected from the culture a little bit, just how can we be purposeful about our time and how we live, being mindful of the fact that, that we only have a limited amount of time and, and how are we going to use that um, to really grow in our, in our Christian walk. And so let me share with you these ten resolutions. Again, I have taken these at, at the request of some of you and put them in my own language, kind of modernized them a little bit. Um, yes. Oops. Okay. Well, then don't worry about that. You just have to listen. I guess I, you know what I think I did? I deleted it off there and forgot to reload it. That's what it was. Oh, well, no worries. Just listen. We're going to be oral, oral learners tonight. Okay. Auditory. All right. So uh, the first resolution is resolution five. And it says, I resolve not to waste a single moment of my time but to maximize every minute in the best way that I possibly can. Resolution six. I resolve to live my life with all the energy that I have for as long as I live. Resolution seven. I resolve to avoid doing anything which I would be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. In other words, if I had one hour left, and I was afraid to do that thing in that hour, knowing that I would die, knowing that I would have to face God, then I shouldn't do it at any other time of my life, is what he's trying to say there. If I would not do it at the very end of my life, then I'm not going to want to do it at any point in my life. Right. Resolution 18. I, res- I resolve to live all the time like I do in those periods of my sincerest devotion to God, my clearest understanding of the gospel, and my best perspective of eternal life. In other words, how many of us in your, how many of you, if you could draw a graph of your Christian life, it would look like peaks and valleys, right? There are times where we're really growing in Christ, right? We're on that mountain. We really are, you know, we're, we're, we're being faithful and just God is blessing. And then there are other times where we've maybe fallen off the cliff, right? We're at a low period. Maybe we've committed some serious sin. Perhaps we're going through a season maybe of, of depression or sorrow. We're not careful about our life. In other words, what Edwards is saying here is that if we could find all of those mountain top points, those peaks of where we're really devoted to God, what we want to do is have the graph of our life to be all there at those peaks. We want to be there. We want to live in those moments of sincere devotion all the time. We want to live in those, those clear, the moments of clear understanding of the gospel all the time. We want to, we want to have a perspective of eternal life all the time, not just simply, you know, in bits and pieces. Resolution 19, I resolve to avoid doing anything I would be afraid to do if I knew Christ's second coming was an hour away. It's very much like uh, Resolution 7. If I knew that in an hour Christ was going to return for his church, then I, and I wouldn't want to do something then, then I don't want to do it at any other point in my life. Okay. Uh, resolution 30, I resolve to strive each week to grow in greater spiritual maturity than in the week before. And that's, that's pretty clear, right? I want to be growing. I want my life to be advancing, my sanctification to be 
advancing. Resolution 50, I resolved to live in such a way that I, would, that I think I would just, just judge best and wisest when I enter into eternal life. I resolved to live in such a way that I think I would just judge best and wisest when I enter into eternal life. In other words, he's trying to say, if I were in, if I were in eternity and I were looking back on my life, and I judge those things from that perspective to be the best and wisest decisions, I want to do that all the time. I want to live my life with eternity in view, not simply my own you know, personal gratification or the um, judgments of other people. I want to live with an eternal perspective. Uh, resolution 51, I resolve to live in such a way that I wish I... That, I'm sorry. I resolve to live in such a way that I think I wish I would have lived if I were to find out on Judgment Day that I was eternally condemned. In other words, he's saying here, let's assume for a moment that I were, I were condemned and I were in hell and I were to look back on my life and I would see all those things that I shouldn't have done, that I want to live now like I wouldn't do those things if I were to judge it from that perspective. Again, this goes with uh, Resolution 50, the very similar in language. But the idea there is that we have an eternal perspective on our lives. We live with eternity in view, with our eternal reward in view, with our eternal um, glorification in view. And then Resolution 52, I frequently hear people in their old age say how they wish they would have lived if they could have lived their lives over again. I resolve to live each day like my old self would wish if wish I had lived if I lived to an old age. In other words, a lot of people look back on their lives and say, man, I wish I would have done things differently. And what Edwards is saying here is, I don't want to get to that point where I'm saying that. I want to get to the point in my life where I look back and say, I did those things that I wanted to do. I'm, I look back on my life and I am well pleased. I don't want to re- live with regret. I don't want to live in doing things I should not have done. I want to do the things that I, I know that I should do. Okay? So all those things kind of center around this theme of making wise use of our time. Okay, so from these ten resolutions, I want to give us three principles, scriptural principles, that I hope will help us in our sanctification. So first, first principle, just distilling all these together, our earthly lives consist of a finite finite amount of time. Our earthly lives consist of a finite amount of time. We only, we have a limited amount of time, right, that we're on this earth. The time that we will live is limited. Psalm 139, verse 16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. In other words, I think what David is saying here is that God knows the length of our days. That every day of life that we have is written in God's book. He knows the day we're going to be, he knows the day we're going to be born. He knows the day we're going to die. And we have that span of life. We don't know what that span of life is going to look like. We don't know if it's going to be to a ripe old age. We don't know if it's going to be a short amount of time. But there is a finite, determined number of days. Psalm 39, verses 4 and 5 says, O Lord, make me know my end. And what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. So again, getting to that point of that there's a limitation to the time that we have. In God's sovereignty, God created us for his glory, 
And even before creating us, he marked out the span of our lives. And so God has ordained for us a fixed number of days for us to live. And so I think with that in view, we need to have a sense of humility about how we approach our time. Knowing that our lives are finite, knowing that our lives are in God's hands, we are to be good stewards of the time that he has given to us. We need to be mindful of the time that we've been given and entrust that time to God so that we might steward those days, those hours, well. So our earthly lives consist of a finite amount of time. Second principle, the finite amount of time that God has given to us is fleeting. In other words, life is short. If we just want to say that very succinctly, life is short. The finite amount of time that God has given to us is fleeting. I think Psalm 39, verses 4 and 5, read it a moment ago, captures that well. O Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Now, even if we were to consider, I mean, I don't know, what's, what age do you want to live to, right? I don't want to be so decrepit that I'm not able to enjoy life or be useful to the Lord. So I, I kind of think that if I live to be 90, I think that's going to be pretty good, right? 90 is a, a long time. It's a long life. We, anybody that lives to 90 can say, I've lived a, I've lived a long and, and good life, right? But if you consider 90 years within the span of, what, maybe 10,000 years of human history, world history, created history, that 90 years is really brief. And then when you consider the span of eternity, that 90 years is, doesn't even hardly register as a blip on the timeline. So whatever time we, we have been given is relatively short. It may seem long to us, but it is, it, it, you have it and it is gone before you know it. And I, I can say this. You know, when I was younger, when I was in my teens and 20s, I heard people say this all the time, and it didn't register for, for me. All right? I'm 47 years old, almost 48 years old. It is sobering to think that if just based on the statistics, if I live a normal life, over half of my life is over. We're there, brother. <laughs> We're there. Half of my life is over. Where did it go? I mean, I remember my oldest daughter, who will be turning 24 in a couple of weeks when she was still in diapers. Now she's got one in diapers. Man, time just goes by quick. It is fleeting. It is as if we are a mere breath, David says. It goes by quickly. Our lives are a vapor. Again, especially if we think about it from an eternal perspective. Proverbs 27, verse 1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. So even if we think that we'll live to be a, a long old age, ripe old age, even that's not guaranteed, right? How many of us know people who died far younger than we would have expected them to, 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 to live, Right? How many tragic accidents do we know where a person's life was taken far too soon from our perspective? So when we factor that in, we need to be very mindful about how we live. James chapter 4, verses 13 to 15 says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and, make, and trade and make, make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. 
Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. Our lives, we exist by the will of the Lord. So preparation and planning is one way that we can maximize our time for best use. But we also need to understand that we have no control over time. We do not know what will happen today or tomorrow. And so, again, we should approach our lives with humility and with trust that our, our time is in God's hands. Psalm 31, verses 14 and 15 says, But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. So we have a limited amount of time. The time that we do have is short. Number three, we must make the best use of the time that gives that God gives to us to glorify him. We must make the best use of the time that God gives to us to glorify him. Paul says in Colossians 4, 5, he's, he's relating what he's about to say to the purpose of evangelism, our ability to engage with people outside of the church. He says, conduct yourself wisely toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. And he says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 17, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So not only do we have to contend with a limited amount of time that is passing quickly, we also live in an evil age that tempts us to use our time unwisely, to use it frivolously, to use it in a way that dishonors God, doesn't bring glory to God. So making the best use of the time requires that we understand God's will. It's why it's very good for us to be able to gather on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights for worship, right? We're going to be doing that for eternity. It's great that we're doing it now. We need to be exposed to God's word. Hear what it says so we can maximize the time, so we can know what the the Lord, how do we know what the Lord's will is? It's right here for us in his word. We study God's word. His will is made known to us. We can walk in that way. That psalm that we read earlier, it's been on my mind a lot this week. But Psalm 90, verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. It's a prayer asking God to help us be mindful to how we use our time wisely. In Matthew 6:33, Jesus says that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So the priority for using our time wisely is to spend it on matters of the kingdom, the kingdom of God, pursuing the kingdom of God seeking first the kingdom of God. When we trust God that this is the best use of our time, God will ensure that everything else that we need will be provided to us. In John chapter 9, verse 4, this is the um, story where Jesus heals the blind man, uh, the man that was born blind, right? The people were asking him, you know, this man, is he blind because he sinned or his parents sinned? And in that response, Jesus says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, night is coming when no one can work. And he's, he's teaching there metaphorically, using the, the, the daylight and the nighttime to speak to this issue of time management, right? In an agrarian culture, you can only work when it's day. You can't work at night. You can't see. You, you're probably out in the field. You're away from home. All kinds of bad things happen at night, so you're vulnerable to, uh, to predators, wild animals. You're vulnerable to, to robbers and thieves. So you can't work at night. You have to work while it is day. And Jesus applies this analogy to his ministry. I think we can extend it to all of life. We can only work to the glory of God in the time that he has given us to live. When night comes, when when death occurs, when our lives is over, we no longer have that ability to work in this world. We'll be able to do it in in, in heaven for sure, but not in this world. Time Time has been given to God as a gift to glorify him, 
and at death that time will be taken away. So we must be excellent stewards of the time that God has given us. We must entrust our lives to God. We must entrust our time to God. We must commit ourselves to making the best use of our time for his glory. And we must seek his resources for maximizing our time, right? We must seek out his wisdom. Lord, how ought I to use my time? What is your will so that I can walk in it? We must seek his power, the Holy Spirit, to help us do what is right, to walk in the right way. These things help us to ward off temptation, to be lazy, to use our time improperly, to use it in a sinful way. We need to approach God with humility. We need to understand that whatever time we've been given is a stewardship. We need to use it properly and wisely for God's glory. So I pray that helps us. Um, we, have, we think we have too much time, and a lot of times we don't, we're not maximizing it for God's glory. And so as we consider our walk and how we can please the Lord, let us consider how we can use our time, how we can use our abilities, how we can use um, what God has given to us um, to glorify him. So let's go before the Lord in prayer and just maybe spend a few moments in thinking about this issue, meditating upon what we've talked about. Maybe you need to confess improperly using your time today or this week. Maybe it's just a prayer of recommitting yourself to, to maximizing the time, to realizing you know, what the Lord's will is so that you can walk in that. Let's just take a few moments to pray silently together as, as a time of reflection, and I will, I will pray for us. Lord, we are thankful for life. And we know, Lord, that our lives are bound by time. And so we're thankful for time. It is a gift that you give to us. Lord, we confess that we have not always used our time wisely. Um, we have perhaps spent it on sinful things. Perhaps we've been lazy. Perhaps we've used it for... Um, Pursuits that gratify the self instead of glorifying you. And so we just ask for your forgiveness. Thank, we're thankful, Lord, that, um, that Christ forgives 
even those sins. He died upon the cross to forgive us for those the mismanagement of how we live our lives, the mismanagement of our time. But Lord, we do want to live for you. It is our desire to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and to, to walk in him. Where Colossians tells us that we're to that we're to continue on just as we first received you, that we're to we're to continue to walk in faith, we're to continue to, to trust in you and trust in Christ as we live each day. And so we would pray that you'd help us to be wise with our time. Help us not to take it for granted. Help us to be purposeful. Help us to know what your will is so that we can do your will. Help us to seek first your kingdom. Help us to hold it lightly, knowing that we, might, we don't know what tomorrow will bring. We want to make our plans or we want to make our preparations that are helpful. It's part of wisdom, but we understand, Lord, that, that you determine the length of our days and we just submit ourselves to you. For, the, for as long as you give us, Father, we want, to, we want to honor you with our time. I just pray, Lord, you would help us to be cognizant of that. Help us not to, to be lazy. Help us not to fritter away good time. We understand, Lord, that um, there is a season for everything. Ecclesiastes 3 reminds us that there's a time to, to rejoice, and a time to weep, there's a time to be born, a time to die. There's a time for everything under heaven. And so we pray you'd help us, Lord, to, to be discerning as to what those times are and how we can best live for you in that. Pray that this would be an encouragement to us and a challenge to us, Lord. We need to be challenged. And I pray especially, Lord, for our, our young people, Lord, as, as I know their, their whole life just feels like it's in front of them, Lord, and, and perhaps they don't, don't feel the burden of time. I pray that you would help them to see, Lord, that these days are short and that um, there is much you want to do with them. Help them, Lord, to appropriate themselves to you, appropriate their time for you, and that you would prosper them and that you would, glor- that you would glorify yourself through them, Lord, as they seek to honor you in that. We love you, Lord. Thank you again for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.